Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to GDN's Talking Comics interview. On today's show, we welcome talented writer Chris Ryle. Chris was formerly the president and editor-in-chief of IDW. Now he has his new publishing company Syzygy, along with creative partner Ashley Wood. And if that wasn't enough, Chris has just started a Zoop campaign for his new book, Rune Lake, Grey Skies Above, along with artist Nelson Daniel. Now, here's your host, Martin Sexton. Welcome once again to another edition of GBM Talking Comics Interview. I am your host, Martin, and today we get to talk to a creator who's had his hands on just about everything in the comics industry, Chris Ryle. Uh, from 2004 to 2020, Chris has been editor-in-chief and publisher and sometimes writer for IDW. But after that, he, along with creative partner Ashley Wood, established Syzygy Publishing, which uh, he's been uh, helping to manage to this point. But uh, it is through this publishing company that Chris is releasing a follow-up to his 2009 series, Groom Lake, which is a clever and entertaining look into the fascination and stereotypes of Area 51, Groom Lake, and of course, the possibility of alien invasion. That follow-up, Gray Skies Above, just launched its Zoop campaign. And uh, so we're going to talk to Chris a bit about his beginnings, his work with IDW, his publishing house, Syzygy, and of course, Groom Lake. So let's welcome Chris Weil to GVN's Talking Comics interview. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time today. How are we doing? Doing great, Martin. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. I always appreciate somebody. Uh, are you on the West Coast? I am, yes. Yeah, so, so you got up early, so uh, uh, God bless you. <laughs> All right, so, uh, okay, so so this is our first opportunity to talk. Uh, I wanted to delve into a little bit of some of your beginnings. Uh, you know, of course, you have done just about everything. You've been a writer, editor, publisher, and president for IDW Publishing, and that was before you started your own publishing house in Syzygy, uh, along with Ashley Wood. But before all that, you were just young Chris Ryle trying to decide what you wanted to do with your life. So uh, what was it that drew you to the comic industry, and which creators maybe inspired you uh, to pursue that work? I mean, I've been a comic fan, a comic reader, pretty much since I could, I could sit upright and flip pages in anything. So you know, I've been reading comics my entire life. I had an older brother who got me into uh, two things, comics and the band Kiss. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I was a kid and I discovered there was a comic book based on the band Kiss, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, <laughs> my, my taste did evolve since then. But, you know, when I was a kid, like the guys that loomed large for me were people that kind of still loom large. George Perez, John Byrne. I mean, Frank Miller's Daredevil left a huge mark on me. And so there were... There were books like that that I felt, you know, as I aged a little bit and as my sensibilities maybe expanded a bit, um, so did some of the content in comics. And so it was great to have these titles and these creators that told stories that felt relevant to me, you know, when I was a little kid. And then as I as I got older into teens and beyond, like it was it was nice that uh, a lot of these people were still telling stories that that mattered. And then you know, like I quickly grew beyond the Marvel. Like I was a Marvel kid and then a DC kid. Um, 
but it was the indie titles after that that kind of really helped expand like not only the talent pool that i was drawn to but just the types of comics that i was interested in right so, and of course like i say you as you said you know the big two marvel and dc of course is what i initially grew up on but right it was the indies that basically opened the door for so many people who couldn't get their foot in the door at marvel or dc to you know put their work out there so uh uh so as far as writing comics goes uh did uh was that always an inspiration or you know because a lot of writers i've talked to said that they wanted to draw comics but they said they couldn't draw so they wrote uh so yeah uh, <laughs> right I, I was a very much the same like i tried writing and drawing my own comics and realized that uh drawing was really hard um i didn't <laughs> seem to have much of an affinity for it and so i gravitated toward writing um but even then like before sort of before the internet you know i i didn't think there was any legitimate way to be able to break in i i just kind of assumed that if you didn't live in new york and couldn't you know take the train into Marvel and, and drop off a portfolio in their office that you had no real chance. And so I submitted a few things, you know, in the manila envelopes and all that, like the old school way of submitting and didn't hear back. And and so, you know, it always felt like kind of a thing I wanted to do, but didn't really seem like it was going to be a viable option. Um, and so then along the way, like once once the internet really started going to whatever degree, I started writing reviews online. I started writing kind of comic book commentary and I don't know, so humor columns and things like that. And through that, I actually met some comic creators and it kind of gave me this, this backdoor route into not only um, eventually being asked to pitch to Marvel when they were launching their Epic Comics line in the early 2000s, but, but then partnering with some artists and other writers to either co-write or, you know, just take a real legitimate shot at, at making comics. Well, cool. Okay, so I noticed that uh, that you had worked for a bit for a uh, filmmaker and, of course, uh, geek favorite Kevin Smith. Uh, how did that? Uh, it's, how did that come about? It came about in the worst possible way. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I wrote a review of Green Arrow, you know, the series that he did with Phil Hester, and I, you know, I didn't love the first issue because I didn't I didn't totally get where it was going. I didn't really understand why the character talk so anachronistically and so you know i i was never a guy that was going to take shots at, at a comic if i didn't like it but i sort of pointed out the things that i didn't like and kevin actually contacted me and told me why i was wrong and why my opinion uh you know what <laughs> was off base and all that and and for a few months we just started trading emails not only discussing that um but then it you know it got more amicable and we just started talking about pop culture and things like that and it eventually led to him, um, like we we met up and saw Spider-Man when the first Spider-Man movie launched and we had lunch and started talking about work and things. And I was an advertising copywriter at the time was my main gig, but you know, it wasn't ultimately all that satisfying. Like I, I really liked the idea of being involved in comics. And so he asked me to run this website for him, like turn this the website that was one of his, uh, it was a parody site in one of his movies. Um, he wanted to turn it into a legitimate pop culture portal with comic and movie and and tv news and stuff like that and so yeah i jumped into that and that was kind of the the biggest gateway into the comic industry like that opened even more doors as far as not only getting my name out there but you know meeting more and more comic professionals and and so it was kind of this side venture that uh that that led me into comics more directly than any kind of real work that i ever did 
So, and, you know, it's, and it's amazing because you never know what will open a door for you. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, something that had uh, Kevin's involvement probably uh, helped. Okay, so you went to IDW and of course you worked on many different unusual and iconic projects, uh, you know, like Land of the Dead, Beowulf, uh, as you mentioned KISS, that you had worked on some <laughs> uh, KISS projects, uh, and Transformers, Lock and Key. Now, you were also still writing, I assume, at the time. How in the world did you juggle having to manage all that and also still write so i've always written like between the cracks of the days you know like i i would write at lunch or i would write at night and just kind of kept going with that because i you know the the job at idw my first role there was editor-in-chief and it's you know it's almost immediately a fully consuming kind of thing and so even if i'd wanted to try to dabble during the day there just wasn't time and so if i wanted to write comics and i did um i just you know i i carved out the time at night, whether it was sleeping a couple hours less or just cutting out, you know, video games or TV or what have you. And just, uh, you know, you just, you just kind of find ways to make these things work if it, if it's something that's important to you. Um, and yeah, like along the way, being able to sort of revisit these things that I loved as a kid, whether it was Kiss or like I eventually got the rights to uh, Rom Space Night, which was a, one of my childhood favorite comics and got to write that or co-write that. Anyway, um, you know, it, it's fun to try to do these things that that harken back to, you know, the earliest parts of my my comic reading uh, life and, and, you know, try to try to revisit those and try to do right by the 10 year old in me. <laughs> which is i'm still trying to do it almost 60 uh so uh is there so i know this is going to be an impossible question for you but if looking back at your time at idw is there a book or a project that you're particularly proud of yeah i mean i it's always sort of dubious to go picking um yes, because you I know, know you don't make yeah you don't want to make anybody else feel bad but i would say that the two the two books that that just sort of every possible part of those clicked in the best possible ways would be lock and key um and then the angel series that that i did with um writer brian lynch and artist franco uru just everything about both of those was not only creatively fulfilling but the creators involved were just you know among the best people that i've ever known in this business and and it was just the kind of thing where also the comics like the end product was something that i was happy to hand to anybody whether they were comic readers or not and say look here's here's a really good example of what comics can be um so you know all told like if it if it was a a creator owned property lock and key i think is just probably the greatest example of of you know that type of project that i worked on at idw but also just one of the very best types of examples of you know, what a comic could be. Um, really love that book. And I, I love it. Like, even after leaving IDW, that's the one title that I still sort of have a handhold on. And and so, you know, as long as that, as long as those creators want to do that book, I'll, I'll be involved with that. And so that, that's been a very gratifying experience. Well, I can certainly understand that. Okay. So in addition to those projects, you also wrote and created a number of, you know, books of yourself with zombies and robots, the hollows, and of course, most important in our discussion today, Groom Lake with uh, artist Ben Templesmith. So how did the original Groom Lake uh, book come about? Uh, and as you were writing it, did you have your own theories about the possibility of extraterrestrials? Well, I've always been kind of a UFO nerd, like like the surface kind, you know, not the kind that is is 
going down four hour YouTube rabbit holes or anything like that. <laughs> but I've always, since I was a little kid, I've always found, you know, the idea of that very intriguing and cool and fun. And so, you know, it's always been fun to read the the perceived real life stories of abductions or, you know, the grainy photos that, uh, that are deemed authentic for whatever that means. Like all <laughs> of that stuff has always been a thing I've enjoyed. Um, so I wanted to do something that kind of played off conspiracy theories. And I had originally kicked around something that was a bit darker and, and sort of more serious. And then when I got talking to Ben Templesmith, we were trying to figure out something to do together. And Ben liked the idea too, but Ben said, you know, let, let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's make it more of a black comedy kind of thing and inject a little more humor into it. And I, that was entirely the right call. Um, and so, yeah, it sort of started there as just playing with, all of the different parts of UFO lore, UFO conspiracy. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Theories, um, the different types of aliens that have been rumored to have visited, all of that. And we just we just kind of ran with it from there. I say, and if, if you haven't read it, you need to check it out because it's, uh, I mean, in fact, I just reread it before I got to talk to you again, because uh, it's it's a great book and very cleverly done with, with kind of nods and homage to, as you say, sci-fi and alien films like E.T. and The Blob. Uh, and of course, my favorite, of course, being Archibald, because who doesn't love a alien that likes smoking chocolate and <laughs> possible porn? Uh, so, but uh, at the time you were creating the first one, did you, you know, this was back, I think, in 2009. Did you aspire to follow it up at the time? I did. In fact, I used Archibald a few times. I, I kind of tried to wedge him in wherever I could. So when IDW did this big company crossover sort of thing um, that, that spun out of actually another series of mine, Zombies versus Robots, it was that was kind of the catalyst for this big crossover book called Infestation, which basically we just launched zombies into a lot of different universes, Transformers and G.I. Joe and Star Trek and Ghostbusters. Um, and so I, I used Archibald in there just tangentially. I did a one shot where he basically sat at a bar alongside Bat Boy from the Weekly World News, which we were also publishing and I was writing at the time. Um, and they just kind of sat and had drinks and, and talked about and sort of made fun of all the different big corporate, you know, comic book events that have taken place. Um, and he, he showed up in one other crossover, too, and we did a sequel to Infestation. Um, so I, I tried to use him here and there, but I never did a proper sequel, although I always wanted to. And so once I left IDW and Groom Lake came with me, you know, then uh, I was fully free to to kind of do whatever I wanted with it. And so that's that's when I figured I should finally get serious about uh, bringing Archibald back into the comic world. Oh, excellent. Okay, okay. So talking about that, of course, your new book, which I've actually just started its Zoop campaign, is entitled Groom Lake, Gray Skies Above. Can you uh, share a, a quick synopsis uh, for our followers of what the new book is about? Yes, I mean, it, it takes place about 10 years after the original, which was done about 10 years ago. But I didn't want it to be the kind of thing where if you haven't seen the old book, like it doesn't matter, you're not going right. to be lost. <laughs> it, it sort of catches everybody up immediately. But essentially at the end of the first book, Archibald made his way out into the wider world after being sort of stuck, you know, spending his entire time on earth 
in this base underneath Groom Lake. Um, and so it, it sort of starts with him and his his handlers thinking they can have a relatively normal life. But of course, you know, you're not going to have a normal life when you've got a great alien living in your house. And so right. they quickly get drawn into a bit of a more modern conspiracy. But then it also harkens back to these sort of ancient, you know, 1940s and 50s conspiracies like the Majestic 12, these you know, these rumored government and CIA programs that involved um, either mind control or and or aliens and or both. Um, and so it 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 was kind of a way to tell a Groom Lake story that looked at, you know, modern conspiracy theories, which I don't know. In general, I find have taken a really dark turn. Like, you know, UFO conspiracies are always fun because they're they're fantastical, you know, it, it I don't know that even other than the hardest core believers, you know, nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows anything. Right. But so it's it's fun to speculate and look at these, you know, pictures and things like that and think, what if? But but modern conspiracies have gotten so much more dire than that. You know, all the, the rumors of, of, you know, the organizations behind the government and all these kind of things. And I didn't want to go down. I wasn't going to go down a QAnon road for this. I, I sort of kept it with modern alien conspiracies, but also the fact that modern alien lore has kind of taken on a more, I don't know, mass mass media kind of thing, you know, with, with the government, you know, acknowledging the existence of something up in the sky, these these tic-tac UFOs that they've gotten on radar and things like that. And so it it felt like we're kind of in a new generation of UFO lore and conspiracies. And so Let's let's see what what does that look like in Archibald's world and where are we at and what other aliens have we not uh, visited? Um, the other thing of it is is it's kind of a minor thing, but I in the years since Groom Lake existed, I I started using Archibald and his blob. He's he got this little blob companion that he's the only one that can touch it and it won't you know immediately <laughs> dissolve him. Um, I, I sort of settled on a more kind of proactive way for him to use the blob and kind of a more action oriented way. And I really want to do a comic that uh, that did that, you know, in kind of a like that old ch children's book, Harold and the Purple Crayon, except <laughs> instead of Harold just drawing a, you know, purple doorway that becomes a real door, Archibald would draw a doorway with the blob, but then it melts the entire wall away. And, and so just, you know, just kind of wanted to have some fun with the concepts that I originally introduced, but didn't you know, didn't maybe take to their full potential in that first storyline. Oh, excellent. Okay, so uh, as uh, as I mentioned, okay, your uh, Zoop campaign is uh, has started. Okay, so uh, what made you decide to work with Zoop, and what can fans find when they uh, check out the campaign? I mean, part of it is I I really like what they've done for books like the John Paul Leon charity book. There's a Ukraine charity book that. Uh, you know, they really helped elevate and push out there in a big way. And I know the guys that, that run Zoop. Um, one of them is a former IDW co-worker of mine named Eric Moss. And so I I like the idea that they were, you know, offering to sort of take a more direct hand in the partnering and sort of help on the marketing and, and more of the direct fulfillment and things like that. And since I'd never really done a crowd really? crowdfunding campaign before, I thought not only would it be nice to have you know, partners that could take a more active hand. Um, but also like in the last year and a half since leaving IDW, like I've largely gone about so many parts of the publishing business on my own. And so I, it very much appealed to me to have coworkers in this way again, you know, to be able to sort of bounce ideas off one another and 
help each other and sort of all play to each other's strengths. Um, so that's kind of the the practical aspect of it. And then, yeah, we're I mean we're offering everything from some of the original series artwork from Ben Templesmith and the new artist mm -hmm. Nelson Daniel, who's a guy I've worked with for years um, on a lot of different series. You know, some of his original art will be available. We're going to be actually drawing some uh, people into the book. You know, that are going to be part of a a group called the Majestic Thirteen, which is this this alien human abductee exchange program and so <laughs> some of the backers can actually you know not only just cameo in the book but also be characters in a way that that you know they will also find themselves mutated in maybe a pleasantly horrific way and so that's a way to kind of have a more direct involvement and fun with the book um a couple years ago the company that makes the lock and key replica keys skeleton crew studios made these very cool Archibald glow-in-the-dark um, enamel pins. And so those are available. There's there's just a bunch of cool little extras available. But the main thrust of it was just wanting to, you know, on a book that I hadn't done in a decade, trying to find a way to directly engage with the audience and just kind of, you know, spend some time with the campaign talking about UFO lore and just kind of spreading cool stories and sharing things in uh, in a more direct way like that. All right, that's excellent. Okay, so now you mentioned uh, uh, Nelson Daniel, of course, who's do, doing your art. Of course, uh, as you said, Ben Templesmith is contributing to the new book. Uh, was uh, Nelson your first choice as far as handling the art on your uh, new book, or exactly how did that come about? He was actually. He's another guy that, like, I've been. I loved working with him. Um, he originally he was originally a colorist on a bunch of Zach Howard's comics, and I think his color work is. It's just like nobody else's. It's it's just gorgeous. You know, they did a book called Wild Blue Yonder together. He worked on this Eisner nominated book with artist Gabriel Rodriguez um, called Little Nemo Return to Slumberland. But then he also drew and colored a Drudge Dread series for IDW. Um, and he and I directly did a book called String Divers, which was kind of a quantum physics-y version of Micronauts. Um, and he also did this uh, Joe Hill, Stephen King adaptation with me. And so we've been talking for a couple of years now about the next thing to do together. Um, and, you know, he was busy for a bit. He was off at Legendary doing things like Detective Pikachu and um, a couple other big, you know, movie related books there. And so this just felt like the right way to do it. Like he's he's got a really good way of handling dark scenes in, you know, very visceral and cool kind of ways that that work great on the comic page. But also lightness and humor and his body language is great. And so his his version of Archibald is just amazing. So I, I'm i just very happy to be partnering with him again. All right, excellent. Okay, so before I let you go, I wanna give you an opportunity to share, you know, you're obviously a very busy fellow, uh, to share any other projects that you might have going through Syzygy. And uh, if you can't do that, uh, where can fans follow go to follow you on the web or on social media? Yeah, thanks. I'm on Syzygy. So we just launched in January. It's a new imprint through Image Comics. And so we launched with this book called Joe Hill's Reign, which is an adaptation of one of Joe's short stories. Um, we're just finalizing the hardcover of that right now. In fact, it'll probably be on press by the time anybody hears this. So that's exciting, you know, to get a first book fully finished and done and coming this fall. Um, also have the final issue of, of the initial return of Zombies versus Robots, which is this long running book that I do with Ashley Wood. 
um, is just completing the fourth issue is just going to be making its way to stores at the end of June. And, you know, Ash and I have other things planned, but I've also lined up like four or five other books that are launching um, late summer and early fall and beyond. So I'm, I don't know, I'm just very excited about them. I'm, I'm certainly trying to figure out how to balance the workload of, uh, you know, running a, a full publishing company as, as just a lone entity. You know, Ash, Ash is on as my art director, but, you know, as far as all the editorial and the day-to-day -day and the other parts of the business, like that's, uh, it's a lot of juggling going on right now, but it's exciting because I'm, I'm really happy about these projects and the creators that are doing them. Well, it sounds like kind of par for the course for you. Uh, so, okay, so yeah. where can uh, fans go to uh, check out Syzygy on the web and also follow you on social media? Yeah, so there's a website called worldofsyzygy.com, but I'm uh, I'm at Chris underscore Ryle at, on Instagram, on Twitter, and that's, and Syzygy Publishing is also on both those platforms. And so we're constantly sharing artwork and uh, news about things that are coming up and, you know, whatever else we can. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. And of course, we'll, we will be uh, following your Zoop campaign uh, most closely. And I, I think you can actually get the your first book through your Zoop campaign. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. As a PDF, and then we're going to do a new print edition of it. Well, for anybody uh, who didn't have that. Uh, excellent. All right. So we said, so we'll be following you closely and we re really appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate it right back. Thank you. All right. So we'll talk to you uh, hopefully soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to GVN's Talking Comics. Please come back again. Talking Comics is a production of Geek Vibes Nation. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.